Lord Jesus, thank you for the worship this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together to praise your name, to worship you, to feel your presence, and to be one. It's to your glory, and it's to our blessing. We thank you, Lord. And uh, we pray for Jay and Katie and family where they are, that they're safe, and that they are having a wild of a good time, whatever it is that they're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. I need to tell you something. This isn't going to go the way I planned. Uh, I had a message, and it kind of changed last night. And I don't do this. (laughs) So I assume they're going to melt together, and everything's going to be fine. Uh, I'm going to read a definition, and then we're going to watch a video. I'll tell you what's on my heart. Like I said, this is going to go as planned, so I'm going to have to speak from my heart a lot, which is probably not a bad thing. What's been on my heart is the word unity and the word worship. And the two words together, unity and worship. And then another thing that's been on my heart is the glory of God. His presence. And when I say been on my heart, I mean for a long time. Now, I don't know what I'm going to say. Like I said, I don't think this is going to go the way I planned. But the conclusion that I have come to from the Word of God and His voice speaking to me. If you really want the presence of God to come. If you really want to have His Spirit fill the room. You got to have unity when you worship. It's in the Word. God's here today. He's here right now. He was. I, I sensed him when I came in this morning. He's in you. I'm talking about more than that. So I guess what I'm telling you is unity is a requirement for the presence of God. Uh. Penny is probably confused because I gave her a bunch of stuff and now I'm messing her up, so I apologize to Penny publicly. I don't know, somewhere in there, Penny, there might be a definition of unity. I guess it's up there. Now, I don't know about you, but I go to the Internet to find out all the answers to life's problems. (laughs) Especially when I'm suffering with some sort of physical ailment because I know that when I Google it, In no time at all, I'm going to feel better. (laughs) And then I'll find out that I had ten more things wrong with me. Unity is being together or at one with someone or something. It's the opposite of being divided. This is a word for togetherness or oneness. Sports teams wear uniforms to show unity and their fans wear team colors for the same reason. When a bunch of people act as one and are on the same page, they're displaying unity. When people are bickering and disorganized, there's no unity. 
In any group or cause, unity can be hard to find and maintain. Thank you, Internet. That's a pretty good definition. We're going to watch a video. Can you please, Penny, put the one with the uh, sports teams on there first? You can join in if you want. Just one more video. Can you play the second one? Provided I gave it to you.
figure out what I'm supposed to say. In the first video of the sports teams, those people had a need for unity because you're born with it. 
Somebody say amen, please. Yeah, like, you know, I'm, I'm like Puerto Rican, Italian. I need, I need an amen and stuff every once in a while. I mean, folks, that one from Iceland, I mean, I don't know how many people were out there across that acreage, you know, all going like this. <laughs> There's got to be some deeper reason to do that. I can think of better ways to have a good time. <laughs> I think what the Lord would have us notice about those sport team things, as fun and, and, I mean, I don't know that they're here nor there, good or bad. I'm not here to judge that sort of thing. And I, and I don't know if this is the right word when it comes to my mind. Homogeneity, is that a, is that a word? Okay, now, if there's anything that I say today, I think suddenly that this is like the next couple of things I say is like it, the message that I'm supposed to give. Homogeneity is not God kind of unity. Diversity in unity is God kind of unity. All right, let me think about that again so I understand what I just said. Yeah. The world, oh no, oh no, here it goes. The world makes an effort to get unity. They're trying to do it in our country. They try to do it in every country. They've done it throughout the history of humankind. They sign papers, they make agreements, and it never works. Never works. Here's a little secret it never will. <laughs> Because it's not God kind of unity. It's not the kind of unity that we're designed for. All right, so let me say that again before I get lost. The God kind of unity is not everybody's the same. Homogeneity. Did I make that word up? It doesn't exist. It's diversity together as one. That's God's kind of unity. Okay? All right. Uh... Let's go to Genesis 1, 26, 27. All I'm going to try to do is show the obvious. And by the way, I don't, I don't know that this message is for anybody in particular in the room or anybody that's going to end up watching or is watching online. But I'll tell you this, it's a message that everybody in the body of Christ needs to know. Especially today. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Let us make man in... Our image, according to our likeness. It took me a long time to realize that grace was a person. It's not a precept, it's not a principle. It's a person, it's Jesus Christ. 
When I think of the grace of God, I should see his face. When I think of unity in the kingdom of God, I should think of God. Unity is God. God is unity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one. It's not just a precept. It's part of what he is. It's what he is. He's unity. That's why there's such a battle in the earth against it. Because to be against unity and to be divided and to have schism and to have strife is to be against the most holy God. And so the devil goes overboard to create dissension and to create division and make you think bad about the guy that's sitting next to you and doing whatever and whatever and on and on and on and on and on. That's the place where you say amen. You say amen because it's the truth. Honestly, it's the truth. The glory of God is what we're supposed to be about. When we are together in unity, oh my goodness, thank you for worship today. When we're together in unity and the world sees that, God is glorified. He is worshipped and glorified when we are unified. When you overlook my shortcomings and I overlook yours, when you make an effort to be one with me and I make an effort to be one with you, Okay? It glorifies God. It serves Him and His purposes. Thank you. Okay, let's go home. All right, I'm going to do something dangerous. I'm going to talk about verse 27. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Now, I have to say this again because I'll forget it. God's kind of unity is not everybody's the same. God's unity is everybody is one in spite of their diversity. I'll oversimplify it. I need Tim Frank for this, because Tim Frank, because he probably knows. Is there only one plant on the earth? I think there's more than one. I think there's more than ten. I think there's probably more than ten thousand. I don't know. Is there more than ten million? I don't know. God made more than one plant. Because he likes to have diversity. Now, this is where I get in trouble. Male and female, he created them. They're supposed to be one. But they are diversely different. I'm sorry. (laughs) Get married. (laughs) But according to the scripture, look, I can't explain this, okay? And unity is like that. We are one, but we're not. 
And that's okay. I don't know what God's conversations with himself are like. You know? Between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're one, but they're different. Okay. Let's read another scripture. Genesis 2, 18-23. It's along the same lines. Should probably skip it. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord, Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. This passage is after the other one that I read from Genesis. I don't want to like get meticulous, but God already knew what he was going to do. So why did he do it that way? Why did he take woman out of man? Because they're one. He could have done it anyway. And God took off Adam's right pinky toe and made woman. You know, we're talking about a God who speaks and it exists. He speaks and it shuts down. Why do you take the time to tell us this? And why do you take the time to do it this way? What I'm telling you, it's just to show us that we're one. Thank you. People, did God know that Adam would be alone? <laughs> what I mean is, did God know that Adam would feel alone? That Adam would be lonely? Of course he did. He didn't go. You know, it's, it's like when I was, oh, I'm going to get on a tangent. Okay, it was like when I was first saved. I, re- I remember reading some messages like, oh, man, sinned. So God had to figure out a plan. It's not like that at all. God is a being who knows all, all the time. Every direction, up, down, across, eternally in every way. All right. He tells us that Adam was lonely to reinforce the fact that he wasn't meant to be alone. We gather together as the body of Christ, as a local church, and bigger and bigger. Because we're not meant to be alone. I need you. 
I'm a loner kind of guy. I'm a hermit. People who know me kind of know that about me. All right? That's not good. You know, my wife's um, got my granddaughter in her arms right now. She's going to get me for what I'm about to say. Yeah, you're right, brother. I can't go too long without her. I'm not ashamed to say that. I just, I just spoke Bible to you. Okay, one more thing about unity. Penny, can we please go to John 17? You have no idea how far off I am from what I had planned to say. (laughs) Oh, Lord. I might read this whole chapter. I want to say something I meant that I'd say when I came up. We are so blessed here. I mean, that word that Tim brought and the worship that we had today and the song selection, we are blessed at this house. And Daniel, and now I forgot what it was that he said that, I, that, that touched my heart. It was something he said toward the end and I can't remember it. Just the fact that he ministers to the children, that's a blessing to this house. I couldn't do it. Okay, I'm, I'm probably going to read most of or all of this chapter. So John 17. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Okay. The context of chapter 17 in John is unity. That's what this chapter is about. It's about the the unity of God, and then the unity that he wants, and Semai has, with his children, with his disciples. That's really the main topic of the chapter. Yet, it starts out with Jesus talking about God's glory. He's talking about his glory within the context of unity. I'm just trying to hit it again. That unity is for the glory of God. Where did I stop? I'm in three. No, I'm in two. Where am I? Help me. Three. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. (laughs) Now he's talking about salvation in the context of the glory of God and unity. 
Our unity glorifies God. Our unity brings in believers. Oh, what I just said is the truth. Our unity brings in believers. When, they look, when you look around the world and you can't find it, but you see it in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ, that does and will bring people in. And if I can say something prophetic, sort of, kind of like, that's what will bring it in. It's harvest time, baby. I have glorified you on the earth. Did I read that right? I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. This is still about unity. All of these, hap- all of these things are possible and happen because of the unity of God. Jesus and the Father. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. Do you see the back and forth here? It is continually back and forth. I am in you, you are in me. And it gets better, because we get included. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep your name, oh, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may become one as we are. God's desire is that we are one as he is one. Holy smokles, smokles? Holy smoked people. I like it. I like it. Let's make it up. He wants us to be one like Jesus is with his, Jesus is with his father. It doesn't get more one than that. Okay. Try to finish this out. Where'd I stop? Help me. Nobody knows. I'm in 11. Let's start in 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. My joy fulfilled in themselves, in the context of the glory of God, in the context of unity. When we are unified, it puts a smile on God's face. I have given them your word, 
And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Thank you very much. Don't run by that so fast. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Okay. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Okay, has Jesus repeated himself several times? Yes. Now, you know, this is a big book, right? I mean, it's got a beginning and an end, okay? But when something's repeated in it, find out why it's repeated. If the Lord repeats something, he's telling you, okay, this is, like, everything he says is important, right? But this is, like, really, really important. That they may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. He repeats himself again. I in them and you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me. And have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Woo! If I were going to die in a couple of days, or even if I knew in the not-so-distant future, I would think about the last things that I said. You know? So would you. What happens shortly after this prayer? He goes to the cross. Hmm. What should my last words be? That they be one to glorify God. I I would just tell you that alone accentuates the importance of the message of unity and oneness. That is one of the last things that Jesus said. Spoke about. Prayed. I think what I'm going to do, I need... Ten seconds to think for a second. All right, I'm going to go one place and then we're going to be done.
Penny, can you please go to Genesis eleven one nine? At one time, all the world. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia, and settled there. They began saying to each other, "Let's make bricks and harden them with fire." In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, "Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky." This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. What did God tell Adam and Eve to do? Can you please say it louder? To be fruitful and multiply. To cover what? To cover the earth. What do these prideful folks want to do? Stay in one place and make a name for themselves. You see that? Easiest way to do that is if everybody... When I say mumbo-jumbo, you know what mumbo-jumbo means. But if I say mumbo-jumbo in another language, then we got confusion. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Okay, now, I don't really understand what that means, but I know there's only a couple of places that it says that the Lord came down. All right? And off the top of my head, it's definitely when he was talking to Abraham. It's a big enough deal for dad. For dad, I guess that, I guess that works. And that works. It's a big enough deal for God to come down and check out what's going on. Then something bad is going on. Peter, that's what it sounded like down the hallway. Peter, my dad is still alive. <laughs> I don't know where I am here. But the Lord came down to look at the city and and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united. And they all speak the same language. After this, after this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Why? Because they're one. Because they're unified. It's not totally the God's kind of unify, but they're making themselves one. What I'm trying to show you here, and I would think the, what I think the Lord is saying, is the power that's in this unity. Okay, one more thing. Second Chronicles 5, 11, 14. I might have to find that. The thing that makes this passage incredible, well, a lot of things, but for the moment anyway, they're going to bring in the ark. Old Testament, Old Covenant. The ark, whose presence is in the ark? God's. Now, it's different now. His presence is in you. 
You know, this is, this is a, a wonderment. There's another word I think I might have made up. This is a wonderment to me. The different ways that God's presence shows up or manifests. He's in me, yet I can tell when he's in the room. I can't explain that. His presence is in the ark? Over the what seat, by the way? Close. The mercy seat. That's good news. So this is a good thing that they're doing. All right, let's read this and find out why I'm reading it. And it came to pass when the priest came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. There are places in Scripture where God forgives breaking an ordinance based on the display of the heart and the unity of the people. I just threw that in there for free. And the Levites who were singers, all those of Asaph and Heman and, hmm, let's have to try it this one, Jebethon, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. That's a band. Indeed it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. I'm going to say that again. For he is good, and his mercy endures forever. that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. The glory of the Lord filled the house of God in the context of unity. Okay. I don't know what all this means. But I know God has his ways. You know, within the same, I think the same book, how do you say his name? Utsa, Uzia, whatever. Some of these words you look up online, how to pronounce them. I still can't say them. You know, a pair of lips going, Uza, Uza. He touched the ark. They brought it back the wrong way. God struck him. God has his ways. Unity is his way. Amen? Amen. It's a good thing. 
All right, I'm going to pray a closing prayer. I hope you got something. Because that was my bottom line prayer. God, give him something. I got nothing to give. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your words. We thank you for your prayer to make us one. Okay, I'm going to slash my prayer. Hold on a second. I'm sorry. What a terrible thing to do in church. Something just came to me. I'm sorry. (laughs) That was probably like a religious faux pas. (laughs) No, I'm going to skip it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Allow me to make mistakes. That's too big a package. I'm going to pray again. Okay? We thank you, Lord, that you prayed to make us one. Because, oh, faux pas again. I'm going to say it. Otherwise, I won't sleep. We don't create unity. That's what the world does. We can't make it. You can try and fail. That's what the world does. This is probably the wrong way to say it. I'm trying to get us out of here. You get on the bandwagon. God is already unity. Oneness already exists in Him. We do not make the unity ourselves. I don't have to dress like you. (laughs) You don't have to dress like me. You don't have to look like me. You don't have to have my ethnic background, okay? You don't have to play a six-string guitar. You can play a four-string guitar. There used to be a lady here years ago who played the balalaika, a Russian guitar. Well, I'm calling a guitar. join into God's unity it's not left on our shoulders to make it it's about joining him we choose to join what he already is and what he, what he already has available for us okay now I'll pray <laughs> alright Lord Jesus we thank you that you prayed for us to be one And it's probably safe to say, Lord, we don't understand the fullness of it. But it gives you joy. And if it gives you joy, then it's going to end up giving us joy as well. We praise you for your goodness, for, for us being together this day, and for all that you're doing in this local body. And we praise your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. I think there's some things I'm supposed to do, and I don't know what they are. Peggy, do you have a... Yes. So I'm supposed to serve serve hors d'oeuvres or something. Do you need a microphone?
had two things. Is it on? Yes. Okay. We had two things that came in during the service. Um, one was a word from Linnea Rollins. Two, possibly an individual person. You think you're in too deep to climb out, feeling hopeless and helpless. His love is deeper and will lift you up if you're open to him. Okay, and I sat on that. Then a picture came in, and it was a picture of the Lord with his hand on the head of a young man who was kneeling before him. And I sat on that. Then I realized, as I was listening to Pete, that what the Lord was saying, Pete was talking about unity among the people. God was talking about unity with him. That no matter what your need is, he can, he can fulfill it. He can deliver you from whatever your need is. And that he was reaching... In the, in the picture, Jesus is man. You know, Christianity is the only religion in the entire world where man does not have to seek after God. God seeks after us. He sent Jesus. And so he's calling us not only to unity within the body, but to unity with him. So if there's anyone here who does not know what that unity with him is, I'm sure Pete and our prayer team would be willing to meet with you and pray. But I think you need to consider that before you leave today. Unity with God is the beginning of unity with man. I just realized that I guess I'm supposed to dismiss you. <laughs> if you need prayer, <laughs> come forward. If not, have a great day. Thank you.